is absolute garbage. Somewhere along the way, it became cool to watch other people live life and you sit on the sidelines. A lot of us watch social media. Come on. And watch Netflix. Yeah. All hours of the day. Watching other people live. Something God is just teaching me lately is just potential. And a lot of us just think about potential being this older version of myself when I'm 80, having accomplished a bunch of things. Yeah. But I like to view the, I think my, I think the biblical definition of potential or just my definition of potential is absolutely giving my God, absolutely giving God my best today mm-hmm. and then allowing him to use my best in whatever way he sees fit. It's good. Potential is one of the things that will lie to you even that you got to be careful of because everyone has potential. Yeah. Everyone literally it, it's, it's, and I'm not trying to like be antithetical to what you just said, yeah. but it's almost not a compliment for someone to tell you you have potential. Cause what they're saying is you're not you're, there yet. You're not there yet. Right? Like that's not you. Like I could see you getting there. And in some ways it is a compliment cause it, like they're telling you, you have a knack, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could do this. And some people have no knack in the thing that you're endeavoring to do. Like some people's like, yo, that ain't your calling at all. Like there's no grace on this at all. Like you yeah. are, ob- your body can't even move like that at all. Like I was not built to be a calf roper, right? Like I found that out early on in my life. Um, but I had potential in other areas. Here's the thing is you can't rely on potential. You can't. You've got to look at your patterns. Potential is just this one day, maybe the stars align and I grow into this thing and I'm just wham, I'm that. Patterns are a greater indicator of who you're going to be and where you're going to go. And I would say that that's really good dating advice as well. So many people, they pick you know people to date based on their potential like oh he's got so much potential he's such a good guy can you imagine if he just loved jesus like look how good he is everywhere else if i could just get him to love jesus he's got so much potential yo home girl do not look at his potential look at his patterns what is the current reoccurring pattern in his life that is far more telling of the man you are going to be married to for the next 50 60 years than his potential Oh, he's good looking. He's talented. Well, does he have a work ethic? (laughs) Is he integrous? Is he generous with the little bit he has now? Um, Does he serve now? Does he love now? Does he forgive now? Maybe he doesn't have all the trappings of, you know, someone who is super successful yet, but does he have the patterns of someone who will be successful? And, And that's the thing you've got to look at in your own life. Like when I look at my relationship with God, are the patterns in my relationship with God one that could go the distance. And the question isn't like, hey, am I super powerful in the pulpit? Um, Are my prayers powerful? Do people uh, respect me? That's That's not your potential and that's not your pattern. Do I actually get alone with God? Do I actually do the right thing when no one would ever know if I didn't do the right thing? Do I read the word? Am I memorizing the word. That's a big one. And I want to I want to just challenge people our age. You don't just need to read the Bible, you need to memorize the Bible. Cuz I'm not here to preach doom and gloom, but there is coming a day, I do believe, in which easy access to the word of God as an American may not be possible. And at that point, you can't rely to have you version on your phone or an ESV on top of your shelf, but you've got to have it inscribed on your heart where nobody can snatch it, right? We need to be memorizing the scriptures. Um, And if you can memorize rap lyrics, Hmm. you can memorize scripture. That's a bar. 
But anyway. People getting convicted right there. People getting so convicted no, I think right there. Part of giving God my best, I want all my works to be gold, silver, and precious stones. Yes, not wood, hay, stubble. Imagine the thought of getting to heaven one day and seeing everything you did just get burnt up, which means burnt up like it was there and now it has no value. It's gone. There's no eternal value. I believe the large majority of Christians are walking out and everything they're doing, will they'll get to heaven and say, yeah, it's meaningless. And that's what I'm talking about, giving God my best. Literally, that can start today. Potential yeah. is, yeah, a far off older version of yourself, but you're doing works today. This podcast is a work. Is this yes. going to be a stone or is this going to be a straw? I would hope to say, and I would believe it's a stone. I do believe um, that. And so much of our Christ-likeness is not fueled by Christ's heart. Like, so many of us are forgiving because we want to be known as a forgiving person. Not because we wanted to forgive, but because we want to be known as a forgiving guy, right? So many of us are generous, not because we just genuinely wanted to bless someone, but because I want to be known as a generous guy. So many people are inquisitive of others, right? We're others centered because we want to be known as the inquisitive other centered person, which is fueled by pride. So that means all of our endeavors to be Christ-like are actually wood, hay, and stubble because what fueled it was pride. And praise God, God can use that because that person on the other end of your generosity and your whatever, um, your, your inquisitive nature, you're asking about them, they have no idea what's fueling that motive. They feel loved. But only you and God know this is actually wood, hay, and stubble. This is being fueled by some narcissism and you know self-absorption. It's fueled by pride. I think people... People, people want to feel good more than they want that because oftentimes when God corrects you or says things to you, there was a small amount of pain in my heart yeah, when He yeah. said that. When I had to squash that ego, and it's your the flesh. Room. Yes. Yeah, and the Lord will squash your flesh in order to save your spirit all the time, and that's one of the delineations we need to make. Is it we should put down our flesh. Paul, over and over in the New Testament, particularly in the book of Romans, is constantly making this contrast almost to these two identities within him, one called the flesh, one called the spirit, right? The spirit is that that is born of God. The spirit has been regenerated. The spirit is that which Christ has made perfect. But Paul doesn't always operate in the spirit, right? The same way you don't, the same way I don't. And in those moments, I can condemn the flesh because I don't identify with my flesh, right? That moment that I did something that is beneath me, is unchristlike, I can condemn that without condemning myself because I don't identify with that flesh. I identify with the spirit. Now I have to identify the fact that I wasn't identifying with the spirit in that moment, but I can fully condemn what happened I can full, I don't have to make excuses for it. I don't have to make it small. I can say that was sin. It was wrong. It was ungodly. It was unholy. I can fully, I, I, because I am who Christ says I am and Christ has resurrected my spirit. I can now, every time the flesh tries to show up, fully condemn it because that flesh has already been fully condemned in the body of Christ, right? When he hung on the cross. And so many of us, we coddle our flesh. We make excuses for the flesh because we're like, well, I don't want to step into condemnation. No, you shouldn't feel condemned 
when you condemn the flesh because you shouldn't identify with your flesh. And that way, that's why we can call sin, sin without belittling the person, without, you know, tearing, but sin in me, you know, um, who will deliver me from this body of death? Romans chapter seven. And then all of a sudden we get into Romans chapter eight. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's the caveat not many people want to talk about. Everyone wants to act like there's no condemnation. There's Only for those who are in Christ. Yep, 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 yep. There is plenty of condemnation. And in a sense, if you're not in Christ, if you're not a believer, you should feel condemned because that's all there is for you, right? Like hell wasn't something you eventually worked your way into when you sinned X amount of times. It was something you were born heading into because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like we are born into sin. We are born into a sin nature. And that is why Jesus in John 3 says you have to be born again, right? Like maybe there are parts of you who that are naturally inclined towards certain sins, towards certain lifestyles, right? Towards certain ways of thinking. Maybe you were born feeling that way. Well, that's why the Bible says you got to be born again, right? You got to be born of the spirit, not of the flesh. And I think that's something we have coddled our flesh. Um, And I'm not interesting. I'm not interested in coddling the esteem of a self Christ told you to crucify, right? I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in condemning that which was condemned in Christ and pursuing that which Christ died for me to pursue. That was so good. Praise God. That was so good. I think it's cool. I was having this thought earlier today, so forgive me if it's abstract, but I think you'll be able to run with it. Yeah. I believe there's two ways the reality... There's two ways the gospel interacts with us. Yeah. The unseen, unfelt realities and the felt, tangible, experiential realities. Yeah. The unseen realities are that like I don't feel guilty over my sin. I didn't I couldn't see right. sorry, I'm getting a phone call. You're me, good. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't see the broken road to heaven. I couldn't see the literal way to heaven be reconstruction reconstructed when Jesus died on the cross and right. died for my sins. That's a that's something that's not really seen and sometimes a lot of people don't really feel that. They're like, right. well, I don't feel like a sinner. But there's also the tangible addictions, depressions, anxiety, and the victory stories of God. Like I used to be enslaved to anxiety and now I am not. I have experience to back off to go off of. Right. So that's a beautiful thing about the two ways the gospel works in my life is that when I have, when I don't feel anything, right? God, I don't feel you at all. I rely on the word of God. I rely on the unseen realities. Yeah. And faith becomes a tool to then count, not contradict, but overcome my lack of experience. Right. When my knowledge, when I don't, God, God, are you there? I'm doubting the faith. I'm doubting the scriptures. I have my experience to go off of. Right. God, you literally freed me from my anxiety. I remember how I was in my room at 2 a.m. crying my eyes out, God, I'm done doing it my way. I want to do it your way. Lord, save me. Lord, help me. Save me. Help me. Free from anxiety. Doing a podcast. I have that experience. Right. The unseen and the seen, and they work together, and they they work like a almost like a melody. A uh, like the holy the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and Jesus, the Trinity. I've heard described as a beautiful melody. That feeling you get when you hear a mm-hmm. melody is just so fluid. 
that's almost how these two realities work when one's an influx the other one picks up and that's that's beautiful but also it, beautiful. it also keeps you in check yeah so and it's beautiful when both of them are working at the same time yeah. too um i don't know that was just a thought that that's i had really that i don't know do you have any more thoughts on it i think um well goodness gracious i know that was I, it was pretty I, I felt like you did such a good job with it sometimes they don't come out that clean but i feel like that one came out clean you nailed that one thank you like that was a whole bar well do you feel like god has been showing you anything specific just in your life yeah without a doubt i think for years the holiness of god was something i thought let, we we probably shouldn't talk about that you know what i mean when i got a hold of grace and when I got a hold of the love of God, it almost—I'm going to say this because I have to be no, you're, I, because I have to be honest. It almost felt like the revelation of the grace of God and the love of God did away with the holiness of God. Like the holiness of God is kind of like outdated. Now we just really need to focus on the grace and the love. But the holiness of God is what makes the grace and the love of God ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Right? Like if it weren't for the holiness of God, then the love and the grace of God are almost meaningless. Like it's like, oh cool, like you're gracious. Oh cool, you're loving. Right on. Like, I mean, a lot but of people so love me and a impactful. lot of people have been gracious. But when you realize how holy he is and how deeply you have transgressed his law and his holiness, you now have a greater fervor honor and reverence for the love and the grace of God. So when we downplay the holiness of God in order to try to prop up the love and the grace of God, we, we really diminish the love and the grace of God because it's the holiness of God. The fact that he is altogether uncommon. That's what holy means, uncommon. Like he is altogether other. He is unblemished, unblemished perfect, spotless. That's why Jesus was the spotless lamb of God. And here's what I began to realize. And this was something that I, I, I've, I've been thinking about a lot lately. The angels, when they are flying around the throne of God, there are three words they are uttering over and over and over. And they are looking at God and the one attribute that they can muster up after getting a glimpse of God is not faithful, faithful, faithful. God's faithful, but that's not the glaringly obvious thing when they behold God. It's not even love, love, love. Even though that is true, God doesn't just have love, he is mm -hmm. love. It is holy, holy, holy. Everything that we know about God comes from his holiness and every all the reasons it should be a big deal mm -hmm. is because of his holiness. The fact that he is faithful to us, even though he is so holy and we are not, that's ridiculous. The fact that he loves us with an unconditional, undying love that nothing can separate us from the love of God, yet he is that holy, ridiculous, right? The fact that there is where sin abound, grace does more abound, mm -hmm. yet God is holy, grace is ridiculous, right? It, we, we, we literally do damage to the message of the love of God and the grace of God when we try to minimalize the holiness of God. And yeah, I just have been thinking about that a ton. Which also is the holiness that we were have been given through the imputation of Jesus Christ. Yes. Humility is not 
degrading yourself. Oh, Cole, you're a good videographer. No, I'm not. I suck. Humility is coming into agreement with what God says about yes. you. God says you are holy and blameless, set apart above reproach because of Jesus. That's why you don't condemn yourself when you're condemning sin because then you're condemning Jesus Christ if you're condemning yourself. Yeah, true. Because he is, you are, you're condemning the righteous, you're condemning the righteousness of Jesus Christ if you're condemning yourself because you are presented righteous. But mm-hmm. holy, 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 it's one word expressed three times to emphasize. Yes. But in terms of the holiness, which think about the holiness of God, how wide, how far, how great, how vast is his wisdom. Right. This is holy wisdom. This ain't earthly wisdom. Like no. me and you, Elon Musk, Whatever. This is heavenly, perfect God's wisdom and insight. No and in, the, and in that wisdom and insight, what did he say? He says, in him, this is Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, Jesus' blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in Jesus, things in heaven and things on earth. So we were not an afterthought. God did not see Adam and Eve sin no. like, gosh, dang, you screwed it up. No. Before he even created Adam and Eve, he thought it fit in it best to, the best way to have a relationship with us was to send his son to yeah. die on the cross and lavish his grace upon us. Yep. In his wisdom and insight, I'll sacrifice my son. Yep. And the beauty of that is just that thought's finished. Next thought. A thing I've been realizing so much lately as, as of late too, is our hesitancy to read ourselves into the scripture. I think reading yourself into the scripture, not reading yourself into the scripture. Let me back up. I'm not going to be careful with it. This is a, this is one of my religious things I was taught that I'm trying to unwind. Gotcha. When God says right here, that even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. This is Paul writing Ephesians 1. Yeah. If God chose Paul before the foundation of the world and us being him and the disciples, the followers of Jesus, that means he chose Cole Harris yep. before the foundation of the world. Yeah. So many times we view, we treat God like a middle-class dad that has 8 billion children He's just trying to get by. He's just, I'm just so busy. I have this one, this one, this one, this one, and this one. Yet, that's rooted in because we have finite attention. Right. When I talk to you, we have, I'm locked in, but guess what? For this split second, because you're a great dad, August and Beth aren't getting your attention right now. Right. Naturally, because we have fixed linear attention, but God is not like that. No, he is not. God has, God is omnipresent, all knowing. He can adequately give me attention and 100% give you attention and all of his children. Yes. Think about it in a worship setting. Everybody's having intimate moments with the Lord. Yes. But no one's getting more of him than the other person. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we treat God. We, oh, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Yeah. He chose everyone and I'm included. Right. Versus he chose me. You got to personalize it. He is tangible. He is, he loves me when that love becomes radical tangible expressed and you you have to learn to be loved by god yeah and people don't realize it. they just think oh the love of god that's where the check i checked heaven off the list yeah that ain't love love is being receiving 
his grace and walking out and like Braden says, just living. You don't just rest on Sundays. You live in rest. You live in grace. Yeah. And it be, it's a learned thing. Well, and, and if anything, so the, lo- the clearest picture of the love of God is Jesus. And the clearest moment of Jesus's life in which we can see an unadulterated picture of the love of God is him on the cross, right? Like that is the, that is the quintessential picture of the love of God, which tells us this, love always equals sacrifice. You cannot have love without a sacrifice. Jesus loved, therefore he sacrificed himself. That's why Paul tells husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, so much so that he gave himself up for her, right? He was willing to lay down his life. He was willing to give up things in order to love his bride. You and I think, oh, I just need to love God. And as long as I have like this, this positive affection towards God, then I am loving God. I would say the clearest picture of if you are loving God or not is what are you sacrificing for him? That's why Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. The difference between a normal sacrifice and a living sacrifice is the living one makes the choice to get on the altar. The dead sacrifice has no choice. It's just placed on the altar. The living one has to crawl on its hands and its knees, use its own free will to lay down on the altar yet again because it loves the one who built the altar. I would say the most valuable thing in every human being's life that they don't want to sacrifice at where it starts. I'm not going to say this is the only thing. This yeah. is where it begins. is time. Mm. I tell you the what. The commodity you won't get back that you can't ever get back is we're always against the clock. Our time on this earth is literally numbered. And that is why everyone, everyone, every Christian, I should say, without fail, will say, I can't wait to worship God and spend forever with him in eternity. But they don't want to spend time with him right now. And the reason that is, is really what they are, they are unaware that this is even a motive. But what they're saying is once time is no longer available to be idolized, I will idolize the Lord. Mm-hmm. I'll have nothing left but to idolize him okay. once I can't idolize time. Yep. So I can, I can fully give God, I can imagine myself fully giving God his rightful place once time is not available to put in that place. And as long as time is available, I don't want to give it to God. I want to give it to time. Really what it is, I want to give it to me. I want to give it to my endeavors. I want to give it to the, the rat race. I want to, get it to give it to climbing the ladder or just seeking pleasures and dopamine and serotonin and stuff we've already talked about. But they, it's almost like they're saying, once time is literally not available to be idolized, I can then give God the throne. But until then, he'll periodically sit on the throne of my heart. I mean, think about it, you know, there have been moments, I'll be honest, in my life where I had planned on getting up, spending time in my word, mm-hmm. spending time in the presence of the Lord, and my alarm goes off and I hit snooze, right? And I go back to sleep. And eventually I sleep so long, I don't have time. I got to get, I gotta get yeah. my clothes on and get out the door, yeah. right? Um, and right now, looking back on my life, I'm not sitting here going, man, you know what? I, I feel so rested because two years ago I slept in that one morning. Mm-hmm. Like that rest is gone. Like it's not serving me at all anymore. Yep. But the times I got up and got in his presence, those times are still serving me to this day. That's extra 30 minutes of sleep. 
it's not doing a dang thing for me right now. Uh, if I'm tired, it has nothing to do with that. Or if I'm perky, it has nothing to do with that. That is literally of no value to my current status whatsoever. It's two years ago removed. But the times two years ago, I spent the disciplined hour in the presence of God, disciplined 30 minutes, disciplined 15 minutes. It is still paying off dividends in my life. And, and, and that's the way you've got to look at it. Like, okay, this may suck for a moment, but this is gonna pay off dividends in my life. It's not just this momentary little thing. It is, it is like I said, it's, gonna, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And so I think that's one of the, the places and spaces that a lot of us gotta get to. And that's a, that's, a, that's a paradigm shift that people need to have. If you are only gonna follow an experienced guy when you're feeling good, you're probably only gonna experience 50% of them. At best. At best. <laughs> At best. I feel... At my peak, at best, 35, 40% of the time. The other time, I'm like, oh, I feel okay. Then the other, you know, I don't feel it today. It will never not suck to deny your flesh. Yeah. For the rest of your life, yeah. it is going to suck every single time. Now, what happens is over time, you build up enough experiences to where you know, no, I know once I deny the flesh, I will enjoy the presence of the Lord or I mm-hmm. will enjoy the benefits of the spirit, but it still sucks every time you tell yourself no, right? Sometimes I have this thought that my walk with God starts when I've experienced temptation. Okay. I, 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 this, it's, that's not accurate, but for me, it helps. It's a thought experience to help me. I got to fight temptation because when I'm feeling good, yes, God, I love you, God. I love yeah. you, Jesus. Thank you for yeah. your grace and mercy. All of a sudden that temptation comes, I'm like, God, where are you? But then if I, I've adopted this mindset of, okay, this is where faith comes into play. Yeah, th- this my, is faith, where, my faith was built for this. My faith was built for this moment. I'm just ready to go to war. If I, if I spend my whole life avoiding those moments, I have, the devil has me in his hands. The enemy yeah. has me where he wants me. Yep. If I'm taking the fight to him, to the temptation, Come on. obviously it doesn't look pretty all the time. No. Like Jonathan Pocluta said, he talks about sexual immoralities in particular, that if you're not losing sleep, because you're fighting so hard, then you're probably not fighting hard enough. We have made everything so theological that people don't know how to do the practical. Like, it's like pastors, I mean, this is, this is something I have felt the Lord really, like, shifting in me, is that obviously theology matters. I'm trying to get people to believe right. I'm trying to get people to believe the gospel, trying to get people to believe the Bible, trying to get people to see God accurately. And we hammer, when, especially when it comes to habitual, addictive sin, we hammer so much what you believe about you that we never, t- we never then darken the doorstep of the practical like, hey, yeah, okay, maybe you do believe you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Maybe you do believe that heaven and earth shall pass away, but like it, it, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Like nothing can snatch you, not life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, like all the things. Maybe you believe all that, but you are still watching porn every night, okay? It's no longer an issue of what you believe. It's now an issue of what you are doing. And we've got to learn to step into the practical. For every spiritual application, there's a practical application as well. And, you know, a lot of people in particular with the porn thing, like, you know, they're, they're believing, they're, you know, they're fighting, they're all that stuff. But like, we, I think we even talked about this on the last episode I was on, they're still, they've still got an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Like, this you is a severe that, yeah. problem for you, yet you still subject yourself to carrying around the device that you access these pornographic images yeah. on all the time. Like, dude, get rid of the phone. Yeah. Or like, get rid, like, if, if there's a woman at your job who is really tempting to you, and you cannot, 
change jobs, mm-hmm. move, <laughs> like do what you have but, to do to cut it off. You know, and I love what JP says. He'll like and, uh, shout out to Jonathan Bacluda. We love you. Okay, but he'll be like he'll challenge young men on the whole phone thing. He's like, wait, you mean like I for real gotta like not have an iPhone? He's like, yeah, you could do that, or you could like pluck your eye out, or you could cut your hand off. You choose. Like, those are your options. What are you talking about, Keenan? What are you, oh, that's what it says in Matthew 5? Yeah, it is, is it, it Or says. Matthew 6? Is that what it really yeah, says? whichever it is. It's in Matthew. Bro, I think it comes down should to... I, should I mute that real quick? Dude, and yeah. it's, if it's, is it, like, going to pick up? I mean... I think it's far enough away and we're close enough to I think it's far enough. We'll be fine. Okay, I'm, trust but, your expertise. I think it comes down to... I think about this all the time. If you're viewing it like a sprint and not a marathon, you're never going to win. You're never going to get there. If you're running a marathon and you trip and fall, are you going to start the race over? No. No. Get up where That's you are. That's impractical. And you get up. Jesus comes and he picks, picks you, up, you up. And you keep running the race. Righteous you man run. may fall seven times, but he gets back up. So what scripture says. We have this mentality in, in the culture and it's it's a fleshly desire, yeah. a fleshly idea that I have to start over every time I fall in whatever sin you're dealing with. And it's just wrong. It's wrong. Because it then wrong. you're trying to build up a resume of righteousness instead of just walking with the Lord. Yeah. And um, Yeah, we think that grace is the ability to start over. Yep. Grace is not the ability to start over. It's, Grace is the is God picking you up. That sin still happened. That sin is real. Yeah, it's real. But it's forgiven. It's, it's not wide. It's it's wide clean, but it's there. Yeah, yeah. Like it it, it it's not. That was like a it lash on Jesus's back. Yep. We oftentimes that's that's beautiful what you're saying. We oftentimes view like okay, now I can just forget about it. Right. Oftentimes, and I would even say this: it's not healthy to dwell on your sins. But it's also, it's very healthy to know where God's delivered you from. Yes. I mean, we Knowing overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, right? That's what Revelation says, that the, uh, the accuser of the brethren has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, mm-hmm. your story. And so many people aren't sharing their story because they still too tightly associate with the previous version of themselves. You're a preacher now. You know, like... But you think about it, like when people are posting pictures of like their phys- their physique transformation, pictures they used to be royally embarrassed of. I mean, like they would have killed someone they post. had they posted, had someone else leaked it. They confidently post it as my before. And then now they slap that after right next to it. They're boasting and where they used to be because of how confident they are, they are not that person anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's the place God wants to get us, where we can boldly hold up our before picture mm-hmm. because I no longer even associate with it. Maybe this guy ate Twinkies all the time. Yep. Maybe I ate a Twinkie yesterday, yep. but I know I'm not that guy. I may have done the same thing that guy did, but I am not that guy because the righteousness of God has been has cleansed me. It's been imputed to me, right? Um, and I think that's where we've got to get, but too many believers still too tightly associate with the previous fleshly sinful version of themselves that's been buried with Christ, right? It was crucified with Christ. Paul says, I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And that's where we've got to get, we've got to adopt that mentality. A lot of people, so I've recorded my testimony Mm -hmm. multiple times. Yes. The last two, you were there when I, I shared some of it and a version of it and I ended up posting it, but a full video of my testimony, mm-hmm. I've never posted it. And the last six months to a year, this idea has not been in my mind, but when mm. I first started talking about my testimony, yeah, 
I realized I was not in a place to share it because I drew identity from my testimony. People identify oh. with their YouTube. I love testimonies. Yeah, same. YouTube is filled with them. And I, when I first got saved, I would watch these testimonies of people being freed from all of these sins that I struggled with. And then I found encouragement and victory yeah. through God using that testimony to free me. But how many people, oh yeah, I used to be, they, it's just, this is, a, this, is a, this is a vague thought, but so many people identify with their story. Yeah, I used to be this guy who smoked weed. I took yeah. shrooms, but now I'm this. But we cling to that too much. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. Uh, it totally makes sense. Like, what, like, my least favorite thing about testimony time is like when somebody gets the mic and they're sharing their testimony and they're like, I grew up in a Christian church or a Christian home. Here, here's, here's my least favorite thing is like, yeah, I was a murderer. I took shrooms. I was popping mollies. I was the biggest womanizer. I, I, I was a, a porn star. I, you know, killed your dog yeah. and was happy about it. And then Jesus saved me. Yep. yep. And then they don't go on. Like, okay, like, like you're glorying and where you were, but like, why I, does your testimony end with Jesus saved you? That's the ultimate. Th that should be like, hey, and now I get to tell you about everything that God's done in me. It's because so much, so much of the time we take our foot off the gas after we get saved. Mm. And then we're like, I, I got saved. Well, it's not just about that. It's by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not of your works that anyone should boast, but Ephesians chapter two doesn't end at verse nine. That's where verse nine ends. It goes into verse 10, that you are the, the, the handiwork of God that, and he also has created you to do good works, right? There are good works you have to do. None of them add to your salvation, yeah. but post-salvation, you should be doing those good works. And I, it just so irritates me when people tell you the testimony, it's like, and I got saved. And then you've done nothing. You've just like been a couch potato. Like you've just been watching the Kingdom Vision podcast and doing nothing with your life. Like go do something. <laughs> I would, someone, God showed, God showed this to me. A friend told me this. I got convicted. I'm telling you this in hopes that the Lord uses it to convict you. If you're spending more time, if you're sharing the testimony in a one-on-one -on -one conversation like this in front of a hundred people, regardless, right. if you're sharing your testimony and you spend, track the time. Yeah. If there's more time prior to Jesus, then after Jesus, you probably aren't in a position to share your testimony. That's pretty good. I mean, if someone told, I mean, once someone's shown that light to me and I've seen these pod, and I've seen these testimonies and I watch them and they, oh, I was this, 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 everything like you said, and then Jesus saved me and now I'm living for him. That's it. I and would say it, this. I would say your testimony, maybe post Jesus should be the exact same every time you tell that part. But after Jesus, you should constantly be adding a new story. It's not, hey, you're not ready to share your testimony. It's like, hey, next time it better not be the same way because exactly. you better have walked up with Jesus a little bit more. You better have shared him with a few more people. You better have a few more stories the next time. But people are still telling the exact same testimony 30 years later. There should be testimonies after the testimony. It's like, hey, I kind of need to update my testimony, not because my past changed, but because I have a few more stories since I've been following Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's powerful stuff, bro. Thanks for coming on, brother. Bro, thanks for having that me. That was a good episode. I enjoyed it. If no one else got anything. Um, At least we were um, edified. I, almost, I, I think like we were edified and we were honest. Yeah. I think we were very honest on this. I mean, we're always honest, but I think the topics we were handling, we handled them honestly. 
And so whether it be the sexual stuff, the uh, spiritual gift stuff, I mean, I was as honest as I, as I, I was painfully honest to a degree. Like I'm like, and I, and I hope everybody understands our heart when they listen to it. But anyway, thanks for having me on. Thanks again, brother, for coming on. One of the cameras just died, so it's perfect timing. So if, I don't know which one it is. So one of us is on camera, the other one's not. Thanks for watching. We'll see you in the next video and episode of the Keen Vision Podcast. God bless. Love you guys. You heard it if it's you. <laughs>